Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? This week we're talking about conventions because we've been to some, we're looking forward to some more and we're thinking about what we should do about them. With me as always is my good friend Baz, hello Barry. Hello my friend. So, we briefly met each other at Expo, didn't we? We bumped into each other. That Was, was that your first time there? What did you think of it? Yeah, it was brief, wasn't it? I think you were there for like three days. You looked like you'd been there for three days when I saw you. <laughs> yeah, and, quite. And uh, and you came and disturbed a game of Netrunner that I was busily, happily losing. And then you made it worse. Uh, but yeah, that, that was my first time at Expo. And by all accounts, um, it was quite different to previous years. But I guess I wouldn't have noticed. Um, so I just went up on the Saturday, a bit of a last minute thing. Went up with my friend Dan. And we spent... Uh, we spent a long commute driving out to Birmingham, did the whole of the Saturday till about uh, tea time, I suppose, and then made the drive home. But we, so for us, it felt a bit more like a dragon meet, just sort of a, a one day event. And I spent all of it in the trade hall. So I don't, I'm absolutely certain I didn't get a rounded picture of it, but I really enjoyed the day. It was really cool, tiring, but cool. Yeah, yeah, Expo's been getting bigger and bigger. And I think that the unique football, football, footfall even, uh, is in. Tens of thousands, certainly going up above 10,000. Anyway, maybe 15, something like that. I think 22,000 stick in my head. I'm not sure if that's uniques or individuals or whether it's uh, just football in general, but lots and lots of people there, which is great. Uh, if For people who don't know, it's held at the Hilton Metropole and now the NEC as well. They've split it into two things. So the hotel bit of it has all the gaming going on, or a lot of the gaming. And then the NEC section has a big trade hall. Uh, with like a double-decker bus in and all kinds of stuff this year. There's like proper massive full-on thing. Um, one of the things I noticed differently from from probably previous years, where it was all held in one venue just at the hotel, was there seemed to be a bit more role-playing last time. There seemed to be like lots of traders selling uh, books, you know, spine-end-on, packed to the rafters. Uh, this year it seems to have gone more of a generic games con. There's very little in the way of role-playing, certainly from a trader point of view. Lots of demo games and miniatures and cardboard cutouts and cardstock scenery and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of RPGs, there wasn't much. I don't know, did you, did you notice much when you were going around? I mean, you've not got any reference points, so mm. I guess it's just what were your first impressions of that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, there wasn't a lot of role-playing stuff going on in the NEC. Uh, and, and strangely, I wasn't directed to any role-playing by anything in the NEC. I almost didn't realise that there was something going on in the hotel over the road. Uh, and you'll have to tell us later whether there was much to spectate or do over there. But in the trade hall, it was really cool. And the traders had made a fantastic effort to dress up their stores, give people plenty of things to do, loads of interactivity from a, a family zone to a great big games library and loads of free tables. The demos looked great. There was painted minis. The board games looked spectacular. But spotted about in amongst all of those was your traditional kind of RPG trestle table with a couple of cheery people behind it uh, flogging their wares. Um, but they were massively in the minority. And, it, and I suppose at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do with a, with a printed A4 book that's got some pretty pictures in it. When you're sitting next to the Fantasy Flight guys who've got X-Wing and Rebellion and, and all their really good stuff and Guild Ball, which is a, a fabulous miniatures game. And it, it, if the spectacle was there and there was loads and loads of games to be had. But if you, if you just came to it completely objectively as a, as a generic game player, you would probably say there were the, the role playing bit. It didn't even merit its own section. It was sprinkled. And I guess 
if you were in the mind to make a destination visit, like you might have been there to pick up, I don't know, 7th edition Call of Cthulhu, you'd probably have had a very nice time chatting with the lads behind the stand there. And you'd have got your books, and that would have been great. Uh, there was no Pelgrain, and Pelgrain normally take up quite a lot of square footage in, in any role-playing con. And I believe that they might not have been there because of, I think they have a disagreement about the, 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 the policies for safety and diversity or something like that. I might have got that wrong, but there was a reason they weren't there. Um, but yeah, it was just spotted about. So it's, if it is, it is Builders UK Games Expo, and if I'd have just walked out of the trade hall and seen nothing else, I would have absolutely thought that meant Euro games and American games than the big box hobby games stuff. Um, and it was a, and it was very, very noticeable that role playing was a tiny minority, and the crowd didn't look like role players either. I mean, in the nicest possible way, but the but the crowd were were really diverse, all different ages, genders, you know, just a, they looked mainstream, really mainstream, and that's not a bad thing at all. What was it like over in the in the in the land of polyhedrals? Yeah, it was cool in the hotel. It seemed a little bit quiet, understandably, because previous years you've got all those traders packed into kind of what are big rooms, but you're packed in tight. It was kind of sardines in previous years. Um, so there's a lot more space this time. But over our end, um, there was sort of three or four rooms which were dedicated to role playing, which was fine. Um, but the problem was uh, the lighting went in one, uh, a transformer went, and the heat was on like max basically all the way through and there are all kinds of problems like that and to the credit of the UK Games Expo staff they always did their best to kind of resolve anything they could as soon as they could and that sort of thing but a little disappointed from the hotel point of view that they can't you know in the middle of summer not have the heating on in rooms and things like that but there you go that can't be helped but if you didn't know about role playing in advance or had booked in advance I don't know how you get involved with it to be honest a lot of the other rooms had like big Netrunner tournaments or the Star Wars X-Wing minis game or that kind of stuff so there's plenty of other game going on big open rooms full of people getting board games there was Thirsty Meeples I think down Oxford Way a board game cafe type place they brought a big board games library up you could just go in and grab stuff and find a spare table and that sort of thing and that's the sort of thing that actually happened in the role-playing rooms as well, actually, is any time there's a, a spare flat surface, within five minutes you definitely get a bunch of board gamers turn up and start unpacking stuff and popping counters out of their uh, the sheets and setting up for a game like that. And sometimes had to be kind of be shooed away by a GM who'd turn up about to run a game and that kind of thing. But the role-playing itself, I think, struggles a little bit at Expo. It'd be nice. I think you're right in terms of that there's a mainstream audience there. There's definitely a gateway drug element. There's thousands of people. There's tons to do. It'd be nice to get a way to feed some of those people into role-playing if we're going to build our hobby, even though it's smaller niche. Uh, and possibly that kind of link-up was missing. So maybe a kind of a demo area with taster sessions and that kind of stuff might be something good for future years. Um, but the problem with all this like pre-booking and having to know where games are and all that kind of stuff, I think, was that a lot of games were only half full. Mm. Um, one of the games I signed up for didn't run at all. Jim didn't turn up. Uh, the other two were supposed to have like five players or six players. And I think there was two or three in each one until we managed to like get a couple of extras from somewhere else and that sort of thing. Uh, and one game we only filled up because another gym hadn't turned up and we sort of captured their players. So role-playing was fine. The gyms, you know, they were great. They professional. They tried to help anybody who walked in the room and give them a clue as to what was going on, that kind of stuff. They'd well-prepared. They'd got good character sheets, got the pattern down, all that kind of stuff. From that element, it's fine. Uh, I'm wondering whether role-playing needs to be in a dedicated convention of its own because in Expo, it does get swallowed up, although I know that the Expo guys want it to be part of 
expo itself, even though it doesn't like make any money or pay for itself like some of the other big traders do. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering whether, as an experience of role playing, if you want to do that, it's better as a separate convention, or whether it's just because I'm an old grognard and used to how I how I want to role play and want more dedicated role play stuff. That I'm I'm eager for that kind of thing. What do you think? Do you think it still has a place in a big event like that, or will it die a death if it just goes down into specialist little cons just for people who know what it's about? Well, you've got a built-in market. If you wanted to bring new people into role-playing expo, is the place to do it. Because I was really, really struck by the sheer number of people playing Zombicide or games like that, which is really cool board game, fantastic-looking production values, great minis. But it is basically a fantasy role-playing game with you know, slightly less elaborate rules. And there was just hundreds of people playing through those games. And... I'm, I mean, I couldn't stop them in the street and ask them if they'd ever heard of RuneQuest, but I bet they hadn't. <laughs> and they, they might have heard of D&D, and Wizards of the Coast weren't there, and Paizo weren't there, and yeah, I don't think uh, Mongoose were there, or, or you name your big role-playing guys. And Fantasy Flight were there, but not with their role-playing games particularly. So there's a huge audience there if you wanted to go and grab it. But there's really obvious reasons why they don't, because Fantasy Flight, bless them, like every other company out there in the world, is quite merrily about making a profit and why not? And it's going to sell X-Wing boosters rather than get one of its staff to sit down for four hours and play the Star Wars RPG so that they can all just not buy something. So (laughs) that's because that's what role playing is about in many, many ways. Um, How dare you, Barry? Well, I'll spend money on anything, (laughs) mate. I'll spend money on something people randomly suggest on a forum might be quite good and then regret it later. But, you know, (laughs) there's, um, you know, I'll happily part with my cash, but but gamers just ain't going to blow the kind of wads that Netrunner players do. So I get it. And then I think the other massive issue is that I played, I think, five games in the trade hall between the hours of, what, 10 and 5. Uh, all very different, card games, mini games, all kinds of stuff. Um, I was not really going to give up half, more than half my day to go and play a role-playing game, no matter how well signposted it might have been or how, you know, maybe it's a missed opportunity, maybe it was the best game I've, I'll ever play. But that would have been literally half my day because of the way that the conventions tend to set up their role-playing. So you've got chalk and cheese. It, they might all be games, but they're so separate. It's kind of like having a sports expo and having like beach volleyball um, and downhill skiing as the only two options. Uh, c- can you do both? You could do, but you're going to want to concentrate on one or the other, aren't you? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's one thing I was missing. I don't know whether they were there. I didn't spot anybody, but like a games on demand like thing or the, the indie guys having a room where people could go for tester sessions and get a one or two hour demo of something. I think that kind of setup's really useful and fits the overall theme of the the day and the kind of getting short bites of games. So something like that would be quite good, I think, if you could get people to organise it and turn up to GM and all the rest of it as well, obviously. But yeah, I think you're right. If you've got to dedicate four hours to something, then you kind of want to know in advance it's your sort of thing, don't you? Because uh, I'm pretty sure we've been at a convention before now and looked at the uh, Game of Thrones board game or something like that, and I asked the guy, how long does it take to take, you know, a, a basic game through, and he said about five hours, and we said, okay, no Whoa. thanks, because <laughs> it, it, it could have been the best game in the world, and I've played it since, and it's quite good, but it's a big gamble when you're at a convention to take up five hours of your life for something that you may or may not like. Yeah, yeah, it is, and there, and there were other things as well, there were other things to see and do, and and I think when you go to a thing like Expo, it's like going to Disneyland or a fair. You kind of want to 
spend two minutes doing every little piece of it. You want to feel like you've got your money's worth by seeing as much mm. of it as possible. And, and I regret not spending any time over at the Hilton and seeing what was going on over there. I genuinely didn't have the time. And, and, and you know, I know what it's like to watch people play role-playing games in a hall. I didn't think there'd be much for me to do over there. So, <laughs> so you know, I would, I would rather do that other thing. And I didn't commit to anything of longer than an hour, and that includes lunch because there's so much to see and do. Now, that was a one-day visit for me. If I'd been there for three, four days, I might have been way more relaxed about it, um, and, that, and that might have been cool. But So for me, it was a real scouting mission. I learned quite a lot. I, I did enjoy the day. I would do it a bit differently next time, and that might mean staying over. But actually, if I'm honest, more likely I would probably do the same sort of thing again but bring my kids up with me and make a bit of a family day out of it and that likely wouldn't involve sitting in an over sweaty room playing a role-playing game for a few hours which is a terrible thing to say on a role-playing podcast sorry <laughs> yeah i feel like we should change the subject scene as well but yeah i think that that's it's fair enough because our friend pete did that um he brought up a couple of his role-playing buddies and he brought his kids up as well and they had a good day going around checking stuff out and buying some things and spending spending money and you know they had a good time, but yeah, definitely had no time to sit down for a role-playing game. If there'd been an hour tester session or something, maybe, or maybe a couple of hours at most, but yeah, I think it is a good family day out. Um, I don't know what they'll do about role-playing next year. It'd be nice to see some more kind of tester demo, get you into it kind of stuff going on, but that requires some organisation, I guess. It does. Did you enjoy it, though? Did you have a good good weekend? Oh, yeah, I loved it. It was awesome, as it always is. So you get to catch up with people that sometimes you only see at conventions. You meet some new friends. You get to try some new games out. Um, I played the Netrunner Regional, uh, which was a big full-on day of stuff, but that was great. Uh, Saturday, I spent most of the day on top of the beer bus playing Skulls and Roses and drinking and looking down <laughs> on people figuratively and literally. Um, so, it was, you know, it was great all around, really. Uh, and you know everybody just seems to be in a good mood it's kind of reminded me a little bit of those days back in Loughborough for the Gen Con there where you're kind of in a bit of a, a geek seclusion zone for a bit and you don't talk about real world stuff or what's going on outside you're just there to talk about geeky stuff and play games and generally get on with people who are into similar stuff that you are so sure, all good really cool cool okay right well so yeah back for more next year both of us I think by the sounds of it so um, looking forward then to other stuff. Uh, what's next on the convention horizon? What plans have you got, mate? Well, let me see. Uh, I'm not sure this summer if I'm going to get to any of the little things, unfortunately, but uh, Continuum that runs once every two years, that's turning up again. Uh, so that'll be nice. I think there's quite a few of the smart party get to, getting back together. It'll be a bit of a, a band reunion almost for quite a few we don't see very often. In fact, I think the last time I saw Jules was two years ago at Continuum. He was there for the Friday <laughs> night, and then his wife got ill, and he had to go home again. So I saw him for about three hours, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> got up Saturday morning, he'd gone. So it is one of them. Uh, Continuum's uh, in Leicester, or Oldby, near Leicester, um, on a university campus. Quite good fun, a uh, couple hundred people, plenty of role-playing. Not a massive amount of other stuff, some traders, that kind of thing. That's worth a look, definitely. Um, I think it's kind of... And this is perhaps where we might discuss whether conventions get niche or not, or even more niche than role-playing already is. Because it's got a bit of a reputation for being kind of the old school, like Glorantha, mm-hmm. Pendragon, Cthulhu, that sort of old Chaosium and that sort of family and stable of games. It's kind of got that reputation. Even though lots of other games are played there, it seems to have a certain amount of um, history with it, whether that's imagined or genuine or not, I, mm-hmm. I think it's up for debate. 
Um, but certainly the guests that they get have got involved, and the fact there's big free forms and that sort of stuff gives it a certain feeling. What What do you think about Continuum, Baz? Have you got a preconception about it, or does yeah. it, is it just another convention for you? Or no, it's, it's it's got it's got its own character, definitely, and I, and I think that's fine. Um, I've been once or twice, and it's not been for a while. I, I constantly get surprised that it's still going on. But good for them. Um, I, th- I think it's cool that cons get characters, and I think they just do over time, don't they? Dragon Meat feels different to Continuum, feels different to Expo, feels different to all of the other stuff. Even even Seven Hills and Furnace feel different to each other, and they're in the same place with largely the same people. You just get a little bit of a character over time. For Continuum, um, yeah, it, it's kind of it's got Chaosium at its heart, but I think probably. I don't think that's been done on purpose, or people are trying to be precious about that, or or, or you know keep non-Chaosian players outside. In the same way that perhaps Gen Con was very much about D and D back in its day, because well you know they mm. put it on, um, but there were as many if not more people playing Seventh C in in the lobby around the corner, and and that wasn't a problem in scare quotes. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely got its character. I'm looking forward to it. I'm slightly nervous because, like like with any of these conventions, because I don't go that often, it does feel a bit like walking into a strange pub to meet a mate and you feel like you're <laughs> going to open the doors and everyone's going to sort of swivel around and the, the music in the jukebox is going to stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> you made say, me miss. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing bringing your D8s in here, mate? And, so, <laughs> and I know it won't be. It won't be at all. It's one of the friendliest places you could ever go, and it's got quite a casual, laid-back vibe. There's no scrums or anything like that that I can remember. But, yeah, I do get a little bit nervous about breaking in on somebody else's party, which is why, you know, going back to Expo just for a minute, it felt like a scouting mission this year, and I feel better about it next time. But it's been a little while since I've been at Continuum, so it feels like starting from scratch. Yeah, I don't know whether it's a bit of... um. I don't want to say problem, but certainly a challenge they've got that they're only every two years, mm. and that just makes it a little bit awkward. It's like that gap year means it's easy for people to fit in a family holiday, or to do something else, or like you know what I mean. Like if the, if like Expo's the same weekend every year more or less, you know, mm. give or take one week, and every year you're kind of like, oh yeah, we're going back next year. Well, we'll after continuing this year, we won't be kind of necessarily saying we'll go back next year because it might not be on. Or it certainly hasn't been in previous years. So that, and I think that just it just gets you out of a routine. If it's not every year, you kind of don't put it in the diary, and other things can creep in. So I think that can affect it a little bit. And I think at its heart, it did have a group of people, certainly the old committee and and uh, associated friends and so on, who kind of all got on together and had a certain thing going on. Yeah, uh, I don't mean that in a like trying to exclude other people. They're just like they were just old friends who knew each other very long and had their own in jokes and. Certain games they like to play and stories they told and all that kind of stuff. So it did. It does feel a little bit like there is um, a heart to the convention, whether you're in it or out of it. And I don't mm. think you you're along. I don't feel particularly part of the Continuum crew or anything, if you know what I mean. But I certainly don't feel any um, you know animosity or exclusion or anything like that. It still seems a, a warm, friendly convention. But I just I'm not quite sure I'm one of the the crowd, if you know what I mean. But that's fine because there's plenty of people there and not everybody is. Yeah, totally. and we all play games and everybody gets on well together, don't they? So it's not an issue, but it does have a kind of old family feel or something. I know what you mean. It's got like a, a kind of a bit of a familiarity into it and a bit of um it feels you can feel the history around it almost. Yeah. It's um it's one of those places I am sure if you've been to like ten of them, 
assuming there's been 10, you would probably know 95% of the attendees every year. And that's got to be part of the appeal, hasn't it? And it is it is for the, the furnaces and the seven hills that, that I occasionally make the trip up to because that's, that's part of it because I think the social is a really big deal and meeting old friends and, and that's fine. Whereas, you know, if you go to Expo, you can hook up with your mates, but it's a bit like going to Glastonbury. There's, there are so many other people there. <laughs> what, what, always, um, what always intrigues me is um, uh, Dragon Meat always intrigues me, and, and, and I think Continuum is probably exactly the opposite end of the scale. I don't know how people find out Dragon Meat is on every year, and it still manages to attract loads of people because they don't do much in the way of publicity. Yet, I know it's in London, but my goodness, there's a lot of people, and I don't know any of them. Whereas Continuum doesn't seem to do much outward-looking publicity either. And I don't know if they get much new blood every couple of years or whether they're particularly bothered about new blood because there's, there's a limit to how many people can physically go to these places. But, you know, it, it, I'm, it's way, I, I'm not going to get too involved in this because it ain't my convention. I'm just going to be a guest this year and go and play some games. But I wonder if it is a concern for long-standing cons that they don't get a bit stale with their attendees because eventually we will all die off of old age. <laughs> we just will. <laughs> so, you know, getting, except me. Yeah, except you, you Methuselah. Um, <laughs> but the, the, there's got to be some new blood coming in. And going from the discussion we just had about Expo, about what a great place that would be to attract new people into the hobby, I think I'm right in saying this. You'll remind me if I'm not. I think Continuum did have back in the day a sort of special you've never role played before or you've never played in Glorantha before and I had a couple of taster sessions specifically set up for that, which was a good touch. Yeah, they did they did definitely try and get new people in, in terms of they had some ambassadors last time I think who had like the big badges on saying, you know, come and ask me stuff if you don't know what to do and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um and another cool thing they sort of had as well is the traffic cone system. So if you had a game, for example, for six people and only have four players you put two orange traffic cars down as well, these little mini ones on seats. So people wandering around looking for a game could go, oh, have you got a spare spot in your game? Yes, I have. Take a corner away, you sit down there, here's your character, away you go. Nice. So there's um, people to go and ask if you didn't know what to do, and then like a really obvious system of like, here's where you can sit down and get a role-playing game if you want one. Mm. So that kind of inclusivity I thought was really good. Mm. Mm. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, massively so. I've got the standard nerves that I get for, uh, whenever I go to any con, I'm pitching some games and I really hope I'm not just staring at an empty table. <laughs> I, I always think that's going to happen and, and it never does, thank goodness. I mean, a couple of games, you know, you don't get the, the number of attendees you think you're going to. But there's, there's definitely a bit of a pressure. Uh, I'm committed to running three games um, and I, I did sweat a little bit about what to offer uh, because I think the consensus is yeah, honestly, people just want to play games. It doesn't matter what you run. But then you think, yeah, okay, but I, I'm sure I would get more people in a game of Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition than I would in a game of, of GURPS World War Two. I'm just sure of it. So, you know, you've got to know your audience a little bit, haven't you? And I've gone with 13th Age icons and Into the Odd. So completely shot myself in the foot. Or there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a few more nutters around there who want to try something that I think is a bit different to the norm. What Are you, are you bringing games? Aren't you? Of course you are. What are you running? Uh, the only one I've committed to so far is Savage Rose Lankmar. Ah. Because it's based in that kind of old sword and sorcery kind of genre that I think if you're in, if you're of an age where you played RuneQuest when you're younger and that sort of thing and Pendragon and all those kind of games, it's probably some books that you read as a teenager or at some point during your earlier life, I think. So 
that sh- should probably go down all right, I would think. Mm. Uh, and it's savage world, so it's easier to run. So that's good. Um, I have successfully run things like Hot War there before. I run a science fiction kind of aliens Blade Runner type thing there. Um, I've run Godlike, which is a World War Two game with superheroes. Yep. Uh, all kinds of stuff. I think you're right though. That there is um, there's definitely uh, a major Cthulhu boner at that convention. I think last time I went, so eighty percent of the games in a lot of slots were Cthulhu. So if you wanted to get a Cthulhu, you were great. Mm. But conversely, I think if you're offering something else, it means people who don't want yet another game of Cthulhu have got something to go for. So I reckon that's an equally good shout, to be honest. Yeah. And it used to be a thing that was levelled at the convention as well, that it was too much RuneQuest, Galanthor, all that kind of thing. But that's definitely not the case these days. There is some, but it's not uh, certainly not up to the mighty Cthulhu in terms of games run or that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Pendragon had a bit of a following there as well, didn't it? I'm sure last time I was there, Greg Stafford was in attendance. So not unreasonably, there was plenty of Pendragon on the, on the timetable. Yeah, there's a, a bunch of guys called call themselves the Ashiel or something like that, and they, they just run Pendragon all weekend, basically. So... There's a ton of that going on. There's a ton of free forms. So if you want to get dressed up in your frockage and get involved in that, I think they have a whole house normally dedicated to free form stuff. So you can just pretend to be someone else and dress up if you want all weekend. That's that's something you can do. So yeah, looking forward to it. It's normally in the, the summer months, so it should be decent weather as well. Um, should be good. It always has been in the past. I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be again, which is nice. And it's it's got a unless I've read this wrong again, I think it's much more of a casual vibe as well about getting your games done. There's not necessarily a big scrummage for the off, and there's a ten o'clock and a two o'clock, and and all that kind of stuff. You can just slap your sign up sheet up on a wall and and kind of see what happens and find somewhere to play. Um, yeah, and just yeah, go scrounging up a game or not. Uh, and it's the weather's always been really good. You can just go and sit on the grass, can't you? And just read your book for an hour and chill out if that's what you need to do. Which is, you know, also something to look forward to, and um, you know, hopefully there'll be some good seminar type stuff as well. I know it doesn't get a lot of doesn't get a lot of traction, I suppose, in, in many cons. But that's one of my favourite things about cons is is a chance to listen um, and chat with authors of games I like, uh, people who do cool stuff. Uh, you can do it really easily on the internet these days, but I kind of like that chance to to, to shake hands with people and, and just hear what they've got to say and. You know, if you can get some cool podcasters doing seminars, that's even better, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, so frankly, if people want if people want to learn about how the games are wrong and how they can fix them, they should uh, have a bit of a clamour. They could do something, can't we, Baz? Yeah, absolutely. We're always up for chatting to complete strangers about our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't do it for four hours. So, you know, if you, if you want to come on a little railroad <laughs> adventure of ours, we'll do it. Um but yeah, that that would be great, and, uh, and I would love to do stuff like that because that, that's one of my favourite things, and and uh, I, I get that at uh, Dragon Meet quite a lot. I don't uh, continue while having some seminars, but I don't think they've got around to saying what it's going to be. And it might just be rock up on the day and see what you got. But Dragon Meet's really yeah. good for doing a, a a good strong schedule of stuff, and uh, and I like it because it's you're investing an hour of your day into something. So if it doesn't really float your boat, you've not blown too much time. And, and time's mm. really precious at these cons, isn't it? Because it's a bit of an endurance thing. They're they're exhausting in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. And that probably brings us on actually to um, rather sad news that Conception, which has been going for 17 years, I think, uh, finally had to shut its doors, uh, which is a real shame because that's a five or six day Almost a week's worth of gaming down the south coast um, near Bournemouth, or it was, at the Holborn Nation Holiday Camp Park, which was um, 
Yeah, it was, it was a powerhouse of role-playing, because although it's not kind of expo standards of people there, it's sort of five or six hundred turn up. Wow. And it's kind of an, an out-of-season holiday camp, so you could get cheap accommodation, all the rest of it. From what I understand, the new owners, it was a family business, and they've sold it to a, a bigger business, uh, now doing a refurbishment program in the winter and various other things, and making it quite awkward. So I think the uh, the organisers, as were, have finally decided that it's enough, it's enough. You know, they've had to kind of say, we can't do it anymore. It's, it's, uh, it's not tenable, which is a real shame because it was a real highlight for a lot of people in the convention calendar. And it was, you know, like I say, the best part of a week down there gaming with all kinds of people. You had your own little lodges, self-catering accommodation, really good fun. So it's a shame that's going. And I'd be interested to see if anything can take its place because... Um, see how this one fits for you but I think part of the problem we've got with role playing conventions or organising them and putting them on is they don't generate a lot of income necessarily and they're not money makers so we've discussed Expo and the fact that you can get 450 X-Wing players in a room and that'll pay for itself um, but it's, you know, that's more or less the attendance of conception on its own just that one event that happened at Expo but games are a bit tight aren't they we've discussed before about role playing books and people don't want to shell out from if they're more than 20 quid or something like that mm-hmm. um, and I think it's finding somewhere big enough with enough space to hold people for hours on end who aren't really going to be shelling out a lot of money and that's always been the challenge of putting on a good RPG convention is finding the accommodation and with places like Hobart Nation sort of closing its doors almost to, to role playing or the amount of accommodation it would offer where else have we got that we can run big role-playing conventions if we're not generating a lot of income from it. Do you think mm. people would be willing to pay more? Or does that put people off? I don't know. I, I, it feels a little bit like as universities have got wise to things and they start charging more because they can hire themselves out, out of term time to corporations and stuff, that things like role-playing conventions are getting a bit squeezed out of the market. They are, yeah. I, I don't think there's an easy answer to it, mate. It's, um, I, I, think, I think the gaming year is still packed with conventions. You could probably go to one or two a month all through the year if you wanted, even now, even with with something like Conception dropping out, which is a con I never went to, by the way, and I really regret it because its cancellation is, has seen such an outpouring of like love and affection for it from its from its attendees. I mean, I was really taken aback by what by how well it was almost like grief people felt about yeah. it. Um, so I've obviously missed out on on a real experience. Uh, I don't remember feeling that way when Gen Con got cancelled, particularly. It was a shame, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can live without it. Um, but so I th- there's still plenty of cons. I think I think perhaps the the market finds its own level, doesn't it? So you've got lots and lots of like smaller cons now, like your like your furnaces, and a furnace isn't that small a con for goodness sake. Not really. It's over a whole weekend and it packs out a venue, but it's found its own size. Um, and, and Seven Hills is similar, and you've got like your more tradey type things. And I think that's okay, because if we're honest, if you're going to go to a role-playing convention, you kind of you kind of do want some choice, and you want to hook up with like you know cool people and meet new friends and try different things, and there's all of that. But a lot of the organisational bit means you kind of have to make your choices before you go, or I find it that way more and more now. You've got to be doing the, the groundwork on forums and on Facebook or whatever, pre-signing arranging your games that you're going to run it's the convention isn't just something that you can just rock up at and play so much anymore not with the smaller ones anyway and that's fine because once you're actually in the middle of your game there's pretty much you and five other people in a single room the fact there might be 400 attendees doesn't really matter because you don't see them for the majority of it 
And unless you <laughs> want to go down to the bar on a Friday night and socialize, they're very rarely all in the same place at the same time. It's, it's more like a, a sequence of small, tiny gatherings, isn't it? Um, and yeah. I think, it, and that, that's okay. So having a big choice is great. It's not really like a festival experience where you're all standing there in a muddy field watching Oasis or a Stone Roses reunion and sharing that experience. You're all having little individual ones, aren't you? So maybe the days of five-day role-playing cons that take over an entire holiday park are not necessary because it might be that the, the economics of it and the reality of it is, is that people want to give themselves a bit more of a guarantee of a good time. So you might look at stuff like Long Con that John Dodd organises which is going to be massively oversubscribed again uh, because people want some certainty in their lives. I think, I think, I know he's, he's, he's mulling a lot about exactly what format that should take up and how to get new blood and that kind of thing. But that's, that's a minuscule con in those terms because there's about two slots really. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. I, if there was, you go to big cons on the continent, don't you, which are multi-day affairs. How many people do they get the Kraken, mate? Is that in the hundreds? No, it's uh, relatively small, probably about 70 or 80, I think. Okay. But that's, um, yeah, they basically hire a, a German schloss, like a, um, a manor house, something like that, and that's bas- that is the limit of the accommodation. In fact, I think last time there was people camping out on the grass because they didn't have any more rooms available, so there was people camping. So unless they found a new castle that they could use, then uh, that's going to be the limit of the, the what goes on there. But the way that Fabian builds that is a, a gaming vacation rather than a convention. So it's not wall-to-wall gaming. They have other stuff on as well. So you can do axe throwing and you can listen to seminars and you can have film nights with Sandy Peterson and, and all that kind of stuff. There's lots of the ancillary things that you were talking about, even lawn games or you know all kinds of stuff like that. And that's much more, uh, their view of things is that they want something more relaxed for people who are a little bit older, such as ourselves, who've actually got, you know, we've got jobs and a bit of money now. We don't have to stop in youth hostels or bunk beds and stuff like that. We can afford a little bit of luxury uh, and still get some games in as well, but not necessarily have to have, you know, three, four hour slots a day. You could just do one or two games and do some other stuff as well. So that that's it. And I think it's um, part of the charm is the fact that it's limited to, let's say 100 people, for example. And you kind of get to know most people throughout the weekend when you're there or the few days that it lasts for. And it's got a nice, comfortable feel to it. But um, it's not something like the SM Game Fair, for example, which is more of your expo type stuff. We just get thousands of people turning up with their shopping baskets, trying to grab loads of games and run off again quick. Mm. Um, so it's a different style again. And then you've got something like, for example, um, Condemned, which the Dutch crowd organised. I didn't go this year and I, caught, I sort of almost regretted it. As soon as I saw a post go up about people arriving there I was like, ah, rubbish. I should have mm. gone. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much, I think, what you were referring to earlier about really low on organisation that they basically hire a pub and say it's this weekend, turn up if you want. We'll be here anyway. And that's how it runs and people turn up and then on the day someone comes around with a little pad and a piece of or a piece of paper or something and says can someone run a game? And if they don't get enough people offering, then they go around again going, look, we need someone else to run a game. There's too many people and not enough games going on. And then everybody just stands up and pitches their game and you'll play some, you know, whatever it is that's been offered and have a couple of Amstels and, you know, have a general chat and a relax. Uh, and that seems a nice way of doing it, but you're not going to get thousands of people turning up to an event like that. That is, by necessity, quite small to make it, make it manageable, frankly. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, the, the glory days, if that's what they were, of the big Gen Cons and... And the American stuff like Origins and uh, and all that kind of stuff, 
they also had a whole bunch of smaller cons underneath them as well, because I think they were just more role players back then, if we're honest. Um, and, and they were certainly uh, role players with more time on their hands, um, students, essentially. So yeah. but, you know, <laughs> the, the model the model these days might be more along the lines of the, like your concrete cows, which has been going for donkey's years. Um, and it is, and I mean no offense at all when I say this, but it's basically a one-day meetup and not much more than that, but beautifully put together and there's really good games and food and they raise money for charity. I think they're a, a real jewel. Um, if, but if you look at, at the sort of model that the other games we talked about earlier apply, like your card tournaments or your, or your miniatures games, stuff like that, they don't need massive conventions to get a groundswell of gaming going on. Your, your, your Netrunner groups, we talk about Netrunner quite a lot because I think it is there are parallels with our hobby. Those guys will meet up in a Cafe Nero or in a friendly pub or, you know, every town has got its own community. Um, and it seems to be quite a thriving one as well. Um, and even a small town might have 20 or 30 regulars uh, happily playing cards um, all night. And they're very, very welcoming spaces. You know, and I've been along to a couple and knocked on the door and gotten games with no trouble whatsoever and pleasant ones too. Um, and all of those little communities kind of hook up with each other and they seem to be, you know, they, they do like away days and stuff like that. And it's, it seems to have its own kind of network going. Um, and then it will turn into tournament time and there'll be some competition elements which will lead to regionals and nationals and beyond. And that seems to be... That seems to have just blossomed out of almost nowhere. And it, it runs in slightly in parallel to our hobby. But I just have a feeling that there might be a whole stack of little gaming clubs. And maybe I'm in one because I play with four or five guys every week and we're from all over the place, really. And maybe that is a gaming club and we don't really have a name, but but we're not far away from being that. And and I've been down to local pubs where there's been like, you know, two or three tables going on. Maybe those just combining together every now and again on geographical bases. It, it kind of needs a network behind it. And, and I know we've had that kind of thing in the way distant past where there's tried to be an overarching organisation and the RPGA was, was you know, it just didn't, well, it, well, it was rubbish. So there's that. Um, <laughs> so it's an absolute pig to pull together. But I, I still think, and again, Games Workshop taught me a lot about this, is whenever they did their games days, if they wanted to like do half of it with no expenditure or effort at all on the company's part, they would get local games clubs to bring stuff. You don't see games clubs represented at conventions, and they should be having yeah. four or five tables with their banner over it, unless I'm going to the wrong ones. But you know, just grouping together games clubs and, and having a, a gathering, isn't that, isn't that the answer if you wanted a really big event? That'd be cool if it happens that way. I'm not sure it does anymore, like you say. Because you can certainly remember from times of yore, there was like, um, you know, the the masquerade lot at Gen Con who did all their vampire stuff and all that. And there'd always be a bunch of gems who would reliably run that. They seem to have disappeared. Yeah. Um, the Cult of Keepers, Keepers, even, which did Cthulhu and uh, Cthulhu Nationals and stuff like that, that's it. They've kind of drifted apart and done their own things. I mean, you know, admittedly, a couple of them have written called Cthulhu 7th, so they, they'll be doing something with the time. <laughs> Not totally idle anyway, <laughs> but it used to be if you went to the big or one of the bigger conventions in the UK, they'd be there and offering some stuff up. Um, so I'm not sure people actually have hang around in groups anymore or organise themselves as much. It is a little bit more like you're saying, if groups of like-minded people get together and just play some games. Um, so, for example, Guy Milner does Go Play Leeds, where he just 
hires a bit of a room out or arranges a room in a pub and says, we're in this and there's going to be a couple of games going on. Who's coming? And local people or people with an easy driving distance will turn up and play a couple of games and go away again. And that's it. And that's all the commitment that's required. Mm. Um, but I couldn't see him necessarily galvanizing those people to turn up at a convention with branded T-shirts on to run some games for people as part of the Go Play Leeds banner. I might be wrong. He might prove wrong. I hope he does. It'd be good to see that. But yeah. um, I don't think we have the old-fashioned game clubs as they used to be as much these days. It tends to be more about just meeting up with people and having a game in much the same way as why Netrunner works so well is, um, like, for example, I was down on a course in London and I just found out where the local meetup is, turned up, played my Netrunner, met some nice people, went away again, and that was the end of it. And, you know, there wasn't, mm. there was no one needed to be there to organise it or take subs or tell people what game to run in or who to be in what game or anything like that. It's just a matter of turning up and playing a game. And I think we've gone a little bit that way. I think society itself is a little bit more disposable these days. I don't know. I think perhaps in the old days you, you used to have clubs... Uh, for everything, you know, all kinds of stuff. There was, you know, scouts and all kinds of things. Seems to be more pervasive in society. I think these days we're a bit more kind of instant gratification based. Am I getting too deep, or is that no, no, I don't think sort so. Of how things work these days. I think I think there are definitely loads and loads of communities, um, but um, uh, they tend to be online, uh, which is fine and cool. You know, there's loads of Facebook groups, there's loads of G plus groups. The OSR seem to have just uh, camped in G plus and made it their own. There's loads yeah. going on in there. Uh, and, and, and not to be underestimated is the power of the online convention, which I know get run on frequent basis where you can drop in yeah. and out online over a weekend. And that's, that's a brilliant idea for loads of different ways. But anyone who's ever tried to get gamers together and organize them has, has run into the same old problem of like people could be rubbish sometimes, or at least flaky. I can definitely, there's plenty of things I've committed to and then I had to drop out at the last minute and felt a little bit bad about it, but not always that bad. And and mm. there's loads and loads of reasons to do it. It's it always astonishes me that that we that, that, that there are loads of people out there who are happily role playing away who have no interest whatsoever in going to conventions or being a part of the wider community. And I think the community is shrinking a little bit. Online forums seem to be drying up, very much so. Um, social media has has splintered the communities to such a degree that even a relatively small community like every role player in the UK is not that many people. You could probably fit them into Expo if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, we we can't all get behind a single community, whether it be a forum or a convention or whatever. And it, it constantly astonishes me if I do sort of fo- follow a thread across various forums that somebody will be posting something on Facebook about a forum topic that started it three forums away from it, and they're not on the other one, and I'm not on that one. It, it, it's difficult. Um, and I think pulling people together in the same physical space is always going to be tricky when we've got like you know exciting lives to lead. So I, I don't know if it's a problem that needs solving, to be fair. But if it is going to be solved, it's going to need a bigger brain and a lot more commitment than I've got. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, my local game store, and I think the kind of game cafe thing and stuff is where it's at now, rather than necessarily a convention. Um, for RPG Day, I know the two count them two gaming cafes have got in Nottingham. We're doing stuff, mm. and uh, Mike Mason was down there running some Cthulhu and some of the gems were turning up and running stuff. And it feels more like an outing like that, like people turn up to a, a local, not a community centre and organised as part of a club, but more as a there's a going concern or a business trying to become more. 
um, community focused. So like those gaming cafes, we're doing a bit of stuff. And then um, our friendly local gamer store, Chimera in uh, Nottingham, they have a thing on tonight actually, and they do it every couple of weeks on a Tuesday. They hire a local pub out or get the top room and just say to people, bring your board games down. And one of them goes along to kind of facilitate it. But ultimately people just turn up and play some games of whatever they've brought. And I guess there's no reason why I couldn't offer to run a role-playing game or try and convince some people down there. But it's nothing to do with um, an organised event that anyone has to organise. It's just a matter of organising our space and then people turn up and game in it. And I think that's more of the thing that happens now rather than trying to organise a big event and have lots of different stuff going on. Mm. So certainly the things like Indie Meet that happens or used to happen, I'm sure it still goes on in London, and that was really just a group of people who took it in turns to hire a pub out and then people would turn up and pitch some games and run some and go away again. And occasionally some people would splinter off and do a midweek game or that kind of stuff. But we perhaps don't need as many like rigid conventions in, in the sense of the word, although it's nice to have some. It's mm. more just about people getting together. And with social media and meet up online and all that kind of stuff, there's just ways of getting people together, aren't there? And getting a game if you want one as and when you want it, rather than waiting for the calendar to roll around for the particular date or, or event. Yeah, and, and much in the same way that the gamers largely tend to be mini-games designers these days, which they didn't used to be. Everybody's writing their own stuff, which is super cool, and releasing it. Um, you're kind of everybody's a convention organiser too, because if you haven't got gamers back in the day, you had to struggle, and, and you would have to go to a game shop or put an advert in a paper or do, or do do weird stuff to try and find people into your weird hobby. But now because um, it's relatively straightforward to post up some stuff on Facebook or Twitter or whatever or meet up, you're kind of organising your gaming table until it's filled, trying to hook on at someone else's game, putting out a few notices there. And once you've got your kitchen table filled, it's the world's smallest convention, but you're kind of done at that point, aren't you? You're not really going to be too fussed about filling a second table in your own home. <laughs> so that's, no, that, that, that would be a bit weird. Um, but that that's what used to have to happen because it was very difficult to attract gamers. It's still difficult to attract gamers, but the tools are there and the resources are there. And you, you spend 10 minutes on UK role players and, and somebody will post up, you know, looking for gamers in Portsmouth or whatever. It happens on a regular basis. So I yeah. think once you've got your game, it's not being selfish, but it is kind of being selfish. Once you've got your game, you don't need much else. Yeah, very true. I think quite tellingly, someone um, was messaging me today, who I know vaguely from the shop, and he was asking which version of Cthulhu to get, and obviously it's 7th, if anybody's listening out there. Hmm. Otherwise, play 1st edition, because there's no difference. Um, but he wanted then to sort of like get a game together, and he's sort of saying, you know, I've kind of got a couple of friends. I said, well, if you've got a spare spot, let me know. I might jump in for, you know, he said like three sessions or something like that. That seemed fine. Uh, and he was saying, like, oh, I might do it down the shop, or I might do it on Skype. Hmm. And I, th- I found that quite telling, because he's uh, a younger lad. But f- to his mind, it-, it was as easy to him to even play with people in Nottingham on Skype rather than all be bothered to get together and meet up somewhere. It, it didn't really seem to have any value in him to actually be arsed to get out of his pyjamas and come down to a shop or whatever else or a other central venue. He might as well just Skype it. And I think that's possibly something we might see going forward, certainly as, as younger people get more into the hobby and take over to an extent as we kind of go into our later golden years, that they might just do stuff online just because that's how they're used to interacting these days. They don't need to actually go somewhere or pay someone for a room or anything like that they can just do it all online and why wouldn't you yeah yeah exactly and i did the same myself um there's there's always 
people around my part of the world looking to start a gaming group or get in on a gaming group and uh, and I, I don't reach out to them as much as I used to be, because I just don't have the time and I'm lucky enough to have a couple of games going every week anyway but equally if I see, if I see something that's kind of cool and people are doing three or four sessions of something online you wouldn't even call it a mini campaign but just you know just a few weeks strung together to try something out I'll jump on that that seems like a great thing to do there's absolutely no expenditure on my part of time effort or money um, to get some good times um, yeah, even as simple as travel you know which is, is not straightforward for everybody that just seems to be a really cool thing to do whereas back in the day before any of that was available to me I might have you know tried to try to organize like some kind of weird blind date in a community hall somewhere in the midst of East Anglia and have put try and pull together four or five people who'd like put their hand up and said Did anyone fancy a game and, uh, and it, the thought kind of brings me out of cold sweat <laughs> even now that you know, I might end up in some 12 year old shadow run wet dream which wouldn't have been what I'd have wanted <laughs> but it could so easily happen yeah yeah quite yeah it's, I don't know I think the season, it's a lot easier to jump in and out of games now as well. I remember when we were a bit younger, you could probably, if you signed up for something with a local uh, group of people, you kind of felt on a, on a bound to kind of try for a few weeks to make it work as well, didn't you? Which is not necessarily what you want. Um, whereas these days, it seems a lot easier just to play our session or half of one and go, it's not for me, sorry, thanks, bye. Uh, and it takes some of the social awkward out of us, I get. But um, one of the things you mentioned recently, actually, which might help, and, it, and we sort of touched on it talking about Expo, uh, is perhaps two-hour sessions or a convention specifically arranged around that. Now, I'll probably allow you to expand your thoughts on that a little bit, but it struck me that if you're going to do tester sessions, certainly something big like Expo, a couple of hours tops sounds about right. Um, if you go to conventions to try new games out, as a lot of people do, a tester session of that sounds a good kind of couple of hours if you get a good solid game. Um, like The old four-hour sessions seem to be an artificial construct that we've made up Whenever in the mist, lost in the mist of time somewhere, some decided that was a good amount of time, and ever since then we seem to be a little bit constrained trying to fill those four hours up. Uh, some people even go over that, but what's your thinking behind two-hour slots then, Baz? I'll let you uh, take the floor on that one. Uh, purely selfish, they're the kind of games that I would want, um, and and actually over the past few years they've been kind of gravitating towards that length of game anyway. Feeds directly into that online space. You you run a uh, Savage Worlds Glorantha game for us um, on occasional weeks, and and that really goes over two hours, um, and it's and it's perfectly good because we don't do any side chatter or anything else like that, or break for snacks. You know, we're playing games for two hours, but it that feels like a decent session to me now. Um, and you know, the, the, there's basic physical stuff like I wouldn't I wouldn't go on a long road trip for more than two hours without a break. Yet sometimes people expect me to sit down for four hours and play a role-playing game in a sweaty hall somewhere. And it's, it's hard. It's just hard. So from a purely selfish point of view, um, Expo, I didn't sign up for any games because it would have been half my day. If there'd been a two-hour session, I absolutely would have signed up for it, no matter what the system. I'd, I'd have looked around and thought, cool, that'll still give me three quarters of my day to look around and do other stuff. Um, so there's that. Um, there's also the, you know, the prospect of like continuum coming up. I'm only there for the Saturday and the Sunday. There's five potential slots. I want to run in three of them. I probably won't play in both the others because that's too much. And it just doesn't seem like a lot of, of actual different variety games. 
Whereas if you go to, like we were talking about music festivals earlier, if you go to music festivals, you want to kind of see 15 bands, get your money's worth from us, you know, and there's a headliner that you're interested in, but you want to see a bit of everything and, and go to the healing field and get your face painted and all that kind of stuff. You just want to see around. And then also, I just think as almost as an intellectual exercise, I think role-playing con games would hugely benefit from forcing people to try and write a punchy one hour, 45 minutes, two hour scenario, because I bet what you could do is get your four hour scenario you ran last year and just take the knife to certain bits of it and put a bit more oomph into the session itself. I really genuinely believe that. And I, and I think the games would benefit from being a bit sharper, a bit punchier. So what if they're short and they leave you wanting more? You can get more. Go and have another slot of it later on. Make it a three-part <laughs> game over the course of the weekend or a five-part game if you want to go mad. But just make it a nice little episode and give people chances to try something different. I just, I think personally I would go for it. And and some of it was prompted from thinking about long con, which would be the opposite, which is where people sign up for uh, 8, 10, 12 hours worth of gaming in a single system. All play to them, more power to them. I wouldn't do it in a million years because for me personally, there's too much of a risk. Um, but I would absolutely take a punt on two hours. And if it's brilliant, do it again. If it's rubbish, I've lost nothing. Except maybe you know the amount of time it would take me to watch a movie. And I've seen plenty of bad movies. But, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. You know, but bad con games stick in my mind for years, whereas bad movies stick in my mind for 10 minutes. So maybe that's a negative yeah. way of looking at it, but that's my thinking. No, I think that's a fairly good shout. Uh, it's definitely worth a go. You should organise that. I shall. <laughs> the, 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 other, uh, the other interesting one, which which may come about uh, next year, possibly, uh, maybe later this year, but I suspect next year, is um, TPK, one of the guys from the forums, he suggested doing a Savage Con, which is like Savage Worlds. Uh, Shake On, as I suggested you call it, which is great. Um, so what's your feelings on that? I mean, I, I think it's got legs because it's a kind of generic system, so you can have all kinds of games going on just using the same engine. Some people are a little bit more, well, you're just running one game all weekend. That sounds like the same system. That's a bit boring, rubbish, not sure if I like it, etc. Where do you sit on the fence with that kind of stuff? If someone was to take Savage Worlds or if we want to disassociate someone else, if it's if it's a World of Darkness weekend, for example, and people just go to a World of Darkness games, would that would that work? Would, how would you go about that? Or do you think you just chuck it on and see what happens? I think it would totally work. I think it, of course it will work. It's madness in some ways, if you were totally inventing gaming conventions, it's madness to to put on 15 different types of role-playing game. Because back in the day when conventions started, you could have your D&D and your little bit of travel, a little bit of RuneQuest, because they were all what we now call trad games. They were all of a similar ilk in that you could roll up your character at home and bring it to the convention. And then, you know, guess what? We never really changed the format. But gaming changed while while conventions formatting didn't really. And that's why you mentioned it earlier. You've got like, you know, the indie guys will do um, come and grab a game for an hour. It's seen as revolutionary. I think that should actually be the standard for no matter what the system is. It's bonkers. I, I, I mentioned sports before. You, you don't go to... You, you just don't go to a, a Olympia to watch like three-day eventing or horse riding or whatever and expect someone to burst in on roller skates. Yet we have that all the time at conventions. It's, it's just, why wouldn't you specialise? If you go to download, you might hear some heavy metal. That wouldn't be a bad thing <laughs> if you like heavy metal. 
But if if Beyonce shows up on the headliner slot, it'll be a bit, what's this now? And that's not being like, you know, weird and not wanting to be diverse and, you know, interested enough in different things. Of course it isn't. It's just having your preferences and going out with like-minded people. I think it's it's kind of strange to expect a Vampire the Masquerade fan to to quite happily enjoy a game of Tunnels and Trolls. They don't have to. There's enough games, enough conventions, <laughs> enough things in the world where it's not necessary. And if you do want to search stuff out, you could go to a generic show like your expo. But again, why would you sign up for four hours for a taster of something? So with Savage Worlds, brilliant. Why not? And you know what? It's just going to be a great convention because anyone who goes to it or runs a game there is going to have the, the, the system down by that point. Everyone's got the shared resource of knowing what they're getting when they get there. So you can get straight to it. It's kind of like going back on holiday to a place you've been to 15 times before. You could see it as same old, same old, or you could equally see it as I'm going to absolutely get the most out of this I can because there's no orientation necessary. We're going to be playing the game within two minutes of arrival, and it's going to be good because I signed up for it because I like Savage Worlds already. Because you wouldn't go to <laughs> taste it there, would you? No, that's true. So, and even if you if you if you shake on the reels when you start, by the time you're finished, yeah, <laughs> you're going to be well drilled in Savage Worlds, aren't you? You're going to run inside out. Totally, and it's and it's a generic enough system that there could be a million different settings and a million different house rules, and it'll all have its flavours. You know, great. I think brilliant idea. I'm not saying for one minute every convention should only play D20 or well, White Wolf or whatever. Of course not. But there is enough diversity. And, you know, the, the vampire fan doesn't have to go to the Savage Worlds convention. Why would they even bother? It's just not going to happen, is it? I think, I think that, you know, this necessity to absolutely love everything about role-playing is impossible. Um, and conventions don't have to mirror that impossible dream. Yes, so conventions, all good. They come in all shapes and sizes, and we want more of them. They don't have to be massive, but we do like massive ones. They can be small as well. Uh, I think people should just go and out and play in whatever form they can. If it's your local game cafe, if it's you and your mates, if it's over Skype, if it's whatever it is, frankly, let's have more getting together as geeks and playing games because they're good. Agreed, mate. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. And, and as I said, I don't think there's many spare weekends in the in the gaming calendar through the year, even now. Um, and, and the loss of conception is a big blow, clearly, but other stuff will will come up behind it. But it does take people just just putting up a sign above the village hall and saying gaming available here and telling a few people on the internet and 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 I get previous guests that we've had on before will say the same, won't they? You know, build it and they will come and they do come and then moan about yeah. it afterwards. Of course, they'll give you lots of open and honest feedback on how you can do it better next time to suit their particular needs. Um, so yeah, I think I just want to finish with a, a big shout out to. Um, Duncan, Julian, Andrew, all the con- uh, conception guys, sorry, um, who did an amazing job also helping keep in IndyCom running as well. They ran it for 17 years quite selflessly, always enthusiastic, open, warm people, welcomed and looked after anybody who came to conception. They raised something in the region of £150,000 for charity over the event of running it. Um, tons and tons of people have been, had great games and experiences, and it's all down to those crew who helped organise it and, and made everybody feel so welcome and did such a, a grand job all the time. So well done, lads. Uh, hats off to you. That's awesome. 
Cool. Well, I think that's it for this week, guys. So uh, we'll sign off. If you've any thoughts, comments, questions, send them our way. We always like to hear some kind of feedback from you guys in an open and honest fashion. And uh, we'll catch you next time on What Would The Smart Party Do? See you next time, everyone.